Welcome into a uh, kind of somber edition, I feel like. Mm-hmm. A Maybe, weird, yeah. It's a weird edition. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the best word to describe uh, today's episode of the Half Court Press. I'm John the Atawa. He's Chris Hetty. Um, we're both back from our respective conference tournaments. Maybe, Chris, you expected to be back at this time. I, don't I know did. If, you certainly should I don't know if I been, did. shouldn't be here. Wow. What a surreal last three days in the sports world, in the country, really. Um, the threat of coronavirus, COVID-19, has sort of gripped our nation and changed a lot of things, um, altered our way of life, and probably still will in, in many ways. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to come on and record a podcast that sort of recounted our experiences with the, um, I guess, the college basketball reaction to mm-hmm. the threat of uh, coronavirus. Well, I mean, a, like, yeah, in a weird way, like college basketball has been at this not at the center of this, but like they have been a focal point of this, just based on, you know, a lot of things. In particular, this is happening in March. In March, madness is. You know, other than the college football playoff, I would argue the most anticipated and, you know, most celebrated event, particularly in college sports. But it's like one of the it's one of the defining things about the calendar year. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like office, you know, everybody in every office in America, they make a bracket pool. And I know back in my home state of Kansas, that's when everybody, you know, will go over to people's houses on, you know, that Thursday or Friday, the first round and they'll you know, watch games and go outside and shoot some hoops. And like, it's a big cultural deal. And so I think the fact that it's happening, the college basketball is right at the center of this for a bunch of reasons. So I, I, we basically just need to unpack. I mean, we were also in two extremely bizarre situations where everything that happened with Fred Hoiberg, which we'll get to and everything Creighton played one half of a basketball game while the rest of the college basketball was canceling the rest of their seasons, basically. Um, in a basically empty Madison Square Garden, were you down courtside or were yeah, you uh, sitting yeah. courtside? Yeah. So yeah, we gotta. I, I say we, we have just. A lot to go I through, say we yeah. just start from the beginning. Yeah. Uh, again, you're, if you're listening to this, I'm sure you've heard the NCAA men's and women's basketball tournaments are canceled. This mm-hmm. College World Series and every other championship event is canceled. So Husker May- spring football. So spring practices for every sport has been suspended until April sixth for big for the Big Ten. Yeah. Uh, Creighton has uh, indefinitely suspended all activity. Athletics activity, recruiting. Creighton, Creighton's practice. at home now, right? Um, uh, uh, School wise, students. Well, well they're, yeah, it's spring break. Mm-hmm. So, okay. um, I think they extended spring break a week. But okay. I mean, I, I wouldn't imagine anybody's going to be back on campus yeah. anytime soon. I, I believe Nebraska is online classes throughout the semester right. as well. Um, Major League Baseball delaying opening day. NHL suspended. And NBA suspended. I mean, there's really just there's just no sports mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. It's a sportsless world, which is something that. No one alive right now has experience, I would imagine. I mean, mm-hmm. here's um, the thing that messed with me. I was talking to my wife on the drive back, and she said that the the thing that made her realize that how we, how crazy this is is so the St. Patrick's Day parade in New York was was canceled. Yes, and it's the first time that that's happened since like 1793. Mm. That's what that's what's going on. Like yeah. that's the world that we live in. Yeah, right? I was actually at the St. Patty's Day parade last year. Were you really in New York City? Oh, for the was the tournament out there? Yeah, the Big East tournament. Um, I stayed a couple extra days after Creighton lost. Yeah. Um. Wow. Okay. So let's start with. Well, I I kind of wanted to go. I wanted to make one note on Tuesday okay. because I recorded a solo pod. You on did, Tuesday. and guess what, John? It was good. Thank You're you. You're welcome. Thank it, you. I, I listened to it while I walked around in India. And I told you, or I said at the end that I almost uh, 
called you and put you on speakerphone oh, to really? kind of break down <laughs> some stuff. Right, yeah. well, what was funny is because I heard the story of uh, you were driving. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know where you were, Illinois or something, and and, and our, one of our editors called you and told you that Nebraska had added two yeah. football players to the roster, and you yeah. were just kind of like, what the? Yeah. <laughs> Are you I, serious? I, you... Yeah. <laughs> it was funny because I had a reaction in which a curse word was used <laughs> and then there was a there was a pause and, and then jacob got back and he was like sorry i didn't i didn't know that was gonna be i should have assumed that was a reaction but you were on speakerphone it's like oh sorry i didn't quite because i was like it was an it so real quick yeah tuesday you record that podcast i drove out to indianapolis which is when like all of this weird news started happening yeah. and like all it, it was just a lot of what was happening at once and that was one of those things where um yeah, they added two football players, which, like, we've gone how long and just mentioned the fact that Noah Federal is the number two quarterback in Nebraska football right now, and he played in a Big Ten. Like, it's just, yeah. this is a bizarre timeline. Anyway, yeah. Well, I was going to say, I recorded that podcast on Tuesday, and I thought about mentioning the coronavirus and its potential impact on the postseason. But at that time, I honestly did not expect it to have a, at least in the the immediacy and it, and an incredible impact just because the Ivy league had canceled its tournament on Tuesday and that kind of sent a shockwave through the sport, but it was met with a lot of backlash for that. I mean, wasn't there a petition by the players and coaches in the Ivy league to, um, to get it reinstated? I think the NCAA, uh, delivered a statement that was like, we are not advising people to Mm -hmm. cancel games right now. We have an advisory panel that we're, um, asking recommendations from, but like, Everything is on. And the two things I would add, one, I think some of the reaction was the Ivy League has been one of the one of the conferences that has no problem. Um, I can't remember what happened off the top of my head. They did they had something football related about CTE that people reacted in a basically saying like the Ivy Leagues are a, its own separate thing. In well, some ways. and that's, you know I mean? and that's what's tough is because the Ivy League, you know. What, from a monetary standpoint, from an interest standpoint, it doesn't compare to the Big Ten right. or the ACC. So right. if the Ivy League takes an action, which may seem uh, so, some sort of preemptive measure that is maybe um, potentially compromising its ability to monetize sports, people are like, well, that's fine because you're the Ivy. Right, but exactly. in the Big Ten, we can't get away with that. Exactly. Look how much money we'd lose. Exactly. And the other thing I would say, too, is I believe it was Tuesday when the men's, the, the boys' state tournament they announced that there weren't going to be fans allowed. I think that was either Monday or it was Tuesday here in, in Nebraska. I had, to, I think, Tuesday. And that was met with a lot of reaction as yeah. well. Um, for I mean, because that was, they were, to be completely honest, that was one of the first times that, that it was announced that fans wouldn't be allowed at a college or at a basketball tournament, sporting event in the country. Like, that was one of the first. And so I would agree, Tuesday traveling, it, it was a different world than what it is today, it, which, it is was, a, which is a weird thing to think you, about. You sort of had to start accepting the possibility that there could be an impact of coronavirus on the sports world. But based on the reaction from fans, players, coaches, administrators, people in charge, like there didn't seem to be a lot of alarm bells ringing mm-hmm. off. There was like, okay, yeah, we're going to monitor this thing, but we're not going to do what the Ivy did. Like We don't mm-hmm. need to go that far. Um, but, but still Tuesday night. So then, so I ended up getting into Indianapolis around six o'clock. Right. And 
I'm the hotel that I happened to stay at was literally right across the street from Bankers Life Stadium, which is where the Pacers play. So I get checked in. I go up to my hotel. I uh, my my room um, literally overlooks the the entry into the arena. And so I set up my laptop because the Pacers played that night, right? And the and, and then the MAC in the Big West had, I believe, either canceled their tournament or said there's going to be no fans, and they were the first ones to to do that. And it was within like five minutes that they both had done that. And I thought to myself, okay, well, if there's going to be this big wave of conference tournaments that are not going to have fans, or so I pre-wrote two different stories. One. The Big Ten's not going to have fans. Or the other thing I thought of, which is what the Big East originally said, was we're just not going to have media access in the locker rooms, and we're going to, and which which yeah. is notable. Yeah, a lot of so leagues started. A, weird, a lot of leagues started saying that was like, yeah. okay, no locker room access. So it was a weird experience to be seeing these thousands of people going into an arena while a different governing body somewhere else is saying we don't want anything remotely like what that, what's going on right there. Right. It was just a. It was just kind of fractured of, of and, the reaction. And I feel like at that time, I don't know if there were... I know I didn't understand um, sort of the the risk of... the risk associated with gathering a large number of people together um, who are operating or living normally not knowing that they could be carriers of a disease that is contagious. Mm -hmm. And so now, while it's not as contagious as like if I'm in the vicinity or if I'm in the building, everyone gets it. But if you're, you know, I'm sure you guys have read and heard a lot about the coronavirus and how it spreads. Like I didn't understand it at that moment. Mm -hmm. So I was, I was like taken aback just by like kind of what's the fear here. Mm -hmm. And then you start reading a little bit about, the, the model projections of, okay, if one person um, infects or, or brings one disease-carrying person is in a large mass of, of, of people, how much of an impact that can have versus isolating that person and uh, limiting that person's interactions with he, other humans. So that was, like, one. And mm-hmm. then, two, I, didn't, I don't think any of us realize part of this is because probably our country hasn't had as many tests um, of the disease nationally, but like, who has it? You know, like, mm-hmm. they're, they're, yeah, it's it's really bad in Italy. It's really bad in China. But like, how many cases are in the U.S.? Like, we, at that time, what were we talking about? Four or five in Nebraska. I saw. I saw. You know, hold like, on. Yeah, the I saw, number uh, wasn't high. So mm-hmm. the, I think the thought was, well, okay, yeah, there's there's concern if someone has it, but does anyone have it? Like, do any mm-hmm. of these fans have it or, or, uh, or players? Like, so on Tuesday, I, th- I think that there was sort of this sense of, like, that's why, okay, yeah, it's, it could be a concern down the road, but right now mm-hmm. we're not in any in, in, in intimate danger. And, and I do know, like, it's, it's obviously the number, the figures have been startling enough in terms of mortality rate, in terms of the number of cases reported per day over the last, like, four or five days that now... It's interesting from your, I mean, from Tuesday to Friday, you go from a lot of the reaction is like, well, this is, this is a little much, right? To today being like, well, this makes sense. Yeah. Um, and, and we'll, I think we'll get to that a little bit more, um, and how and, here in a minute yeah, and how, how it changed. How it changed. Yeah. Um, do you have anything? So the only thing I have from Tuesday is I show up to Indianapolis, pre-wrote some stuff, kind of put in the back of my head, like, I wonder if they're going to do something. The big 10 didn't say anything that night. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, I'll get up in the morning and like walk around indy and see if there's anything going on there there was also this 
and this is a uh, the Fred Hoiberg uh, part of the story will be told over the couple of days. But that night, or excuse me, on Wednesday morning, um, me and uh, the Lincoln Journal Star reporter had a conference call with Fred Hoiberg because they added those two football players, right? Right. And we had requested, like, well, can we can we just talk to him beforehand? That way, you know, the game tips off at seven thirty here, but eight thirty there and we don't really want to be spending so much time talking to them and re- like that's one part of this like giant story so can we talk to them at your shoot around or whatever and so we had a conference call with fred hoiberg on wednesday morning um and he seemed fine yeah um he's jovial joking around like wednesday everything. morning he seemed fine wednesday morning yeah yeah, yeah. so what do you got to well i was just gonna say conti- yeah. uh, you might as well we might as well continue because wednesday morning kind of preceded I would imagine rather normally for you and me. I was I was on a plane. I just traveled. Yeah, yeah. I, I was mean, I was extra cautious. Now I brought sure. a lot of white, Lysol wipes. Really, on my trip and washed my hands a ton. And did you have a layover anywhere? Uh, Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, it was only like four or five gates away, so I didn't have to go through the airport too much. So I was cautious, and that was kind of the theme of the next couple of days. Yeah, going to and from a lot of public areas, yeah. but. Honestly, when I landed in New York City, I was like, "We're uh, it's going to be a normal Big East tournament." Yeah, w- with some sort of like a little under odd, the yeah. undertone of like this thing. This there is a threat of this disease that could mm-hmm. disrupt disrupt things down the road, right? But not in the immediate short term, right? So, do we just go through Wednesday, Wednesday night? Um, well, actually, maybe I should mention because on Wednesday afternoon. That's when things started to change. That's when yeah. the NCAA announced that the NCAA tournament would have no fans. Mm-hmm. And um, it was interesting because I think that they made that announcement around 3.30 Central Time. And at that very moment, I was sitting with a couple other reporters and uh, in, a, in a like a theater room at, the, at Madison Square Garden where the Big East commissioner was set to a, mm-hmm. d- discuss with us. I mean, they're presenting awards. Greg McDermott won Coach of the Year. Miles Powell from Seton Hall won Player of the Year. So they're, those peop- um, those individuals were there. They're giving them the trophy. They're posing with, for photos, giving a short speech. It's supposed to be sort of this celebratory event. And uh, one of the sort of like the MC is sort of letting us, th- letting us know like, hey, we're going to do this award, this award, this award. And at the end, Commissioner Val Ack- Ackerman is going to talk to us. Um, about the uh, award winners, but also make a statement on coronavirus. Hmm. And literally, I swear, as soon as he said that, phones started p- pinging. And really? The NCAA is announcing that it's going to have no fans. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, 10 minutes go down, go go by, and, and everyone's sort of reacting, you know, sort of looking at their phones like, hey, did you see this? Tapping yeah. each other on shoulders yeah. as this event is going on. Yeah. And uh, the Big East Commissioner makes a statement that says, we're going to have... We're going to proceed with our tournament as planned. Mm-hmm. Um, and as soon as she gets off the stage, she's met with a rush of reporters, probably like 20 to 25 reporters who are like, hey, the NCAA just said they're not going to do fans and you're going to do, you're going to allow fans right. in. And she's like, what? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, so know, yeah. it happened that fast. Yeah, it did. And, and it was also and it was interesting because it's like. You know, there's Mark Emmert who's who oversees the NCAA, but there is this interesting part about this story is just that, like, all these conference commissioners 
are basically doing like, we're just going to do this for our conference. You can do whatever you want to do with yours, but we're going to do this for ours. And that was one thing where, so the big 10 came out and they said like, like, um, we're going to put, uh, media people. We're just going to not do locker room, but we're going to put them in a different location. And the plan was, um, that, and I believe they did it for Indiana, but I wasn't in the media room for Indiana. Um, they're going to have coach and like two or three players, kind of like they do for CWS. Um, after like post game for, for the college world series. Um, so for the big 10, it was kind of the same thing around the same time where they were like, we're not going to freak out over this. Like we're going to let fans in and because like, there were games gonna... going on. I mean, mm-hmm. we're talking about when, when Val Ackerman, the big East commissioner or the NCAA makes its statement at three thirty central four thirty Eastern and Val Ackerman's making her statement to reporters. Hey, the biggest tournament's proceeding as planned. She's saying that like an hour and a half before tip off of St. John's Georgetown. Right. And, um, you know, the ACC tournament had already begun and the big 10 tournament was about to start. Mm-hmm. Um, Nebraska was a few hours away from playing, but even, um, uh, Minnesota and Northwestern were on the floor, like shooting warming around. up. Yeah. yeah. So all around. across the country, these conference Sorry. tournaments are, are, is, are happening with fans in the building and suddenly the NCAA says, well, in a week, when our tournaments, the big tournament starts, like, those fans are not going to be, these arenas are going to be empty. Right. Which, real quick, we'll, we'll pause real quick. Omaha was supposed to be a site, and that was a big blow because, you know, at the time, College World Series wasn't even a conversation, but Omaha was supposed to host first and second rounds next week. And that's when, there's for us in particular, I mean... Like we're we're for you, you probably would have been wherever Creighton was going to be. But college basketball reporters that are working in a in a home site, like that's a big deal because now you're starting to think, you know, even even though you're somewhere else, you're starting to think, okay, well, how does this change coverage and how is this going to impact the city of Omaha? There's going to be millions of people that are thousands of people that are not going to come to to you know go down into the old market anymore yeah, there's people seven, right. that aren't going to go stay at hotels anymore yep. what's the economic impact of this like what's this is this and is all, a bummer the, because, all the people who would work behind the scenes I or, know. or who had been working behind the scenes to prepare for the event to prepare right. for the influx of fans and people into the city all the vendors and the ticket takers and the ushers and the people who suddenly now were not going to get that paycheck that they yeah. were expecting you start thinking about all that it's right. like, wow what what sort of profound impact this has just to not allow fans but you're also thinking well, that's as worse that's as bad as it can get like right. okay it's very it's unfortunate but we can deal with this like, right we can it make was like do. well this is gonna still happen and then the thing i thought to myself was well tv is gonna make a ton of money off of this because they're gonna be basically getting all of those people that would be at all these sites are going to be instead home watching the game and they're going to be able to sell they're, they can sell their ads like for way higher. Yeah, um, and it was just all these things that were that were happening at the same time. And so then, uh, but at, at that point, by the time that she walks down and um, Minnesota and Northwestern tip off, that's kind of the that's the world that we're living in, right? Yeah, I mean, so right then, at that point, everything still feels like it's on, but it's going to be right. different. So it's I, on, but it's going to be different. Real quick, small funny note: uh, while that was happening, I was sitting right behind Richard Patino. Um, while he was on, because we were right behind the Minnesota bench, um, and uh, he he drinks tea with like an aggressive amount of Splenda. Like a, it, it wasn't quite seen. I like it just wasn't seeing that coming. Um, so then, so does he like administer this the Splenda or like pour it in? 
to the T? Yeah. It's just a lot. It's okay. just it's just like a lot of packets. Like a lot of them. Okay. And then there was one time he sent something to um, a student because a student manager was one that brought him the tea. And then the student manager made fun. He apparently had these like very bright socks on. Um, and uh, he, he said something like, you know, well, you just don't know anything about fanciness or you don't know anything about style. And uh, Chris from the Journal Star turned to me and he was like, his socks probably cost more than that, like that kid's entire life. <laughs> um, so... So that so that's the kind of the environment we're in, right? There's kind of this weird, like we're right courtside, all this stuff. So then, Minnesota and Northwestern tip off, and there's a ton of Indiana fans already there, and um, so you put that next to the fact that a lot of again, a lot of people, a lot of conferences didn't want people on arenas anymore. So that was that was kind of an odd thing to think about. Mm-hmm. And then a pretty consequential moment, I was, you're following on Twitter, Oklahoma City and Utah Jazz are about to start playing an NBA game. And um, then there's a report saying that right before tip-off, both teams go back to their benches, and then both teams clear the locker room, like go back into the locker rooms. And then we hear that Rudy Gobert has tested positive for coronavirus. And that was, I think, a really influential moment in all of this because that's the moment that I think everyone realized, oh, yeah, even if you bring two teams and some refs and only family and whatever that means that doesn't take like that there could still be somebody among that group that has it right that can spread it and that was the moment i think everyone started to realize holy cow maybe we shouldn't even play these tournaments even if there's nobody there even if it's basically the nba suspended its season literally like five minutes so then right after that the report came out that rudy gobert was um was had tested positive and suddenly like Social media is going crazy. Oh, it was a, it mean, was just exploding, mm-hmm. and and you're what uh, just a couple minutes away from Nebraska. So I on, think right? at that point, yeah, Nebraska, and I actually think that I think that they had been playing for a little bit, okay. um, because that was that was a moment where I was like, this is insane. Because there's a lot of again, there's a lot of you know mayors across the country and governors who were saying like I, at the time, I think it was the Washington. There were all of these mayors and governors of states and cities that were that evening after the Rudy Gobert news and all that saying, we are canceling gatherings of 250 people or more. And they were saying that in Dayton. And they were saying that in Seattle. And they were saying that in Cleveland. And they were saying that in all of these different cities that were going to be host sites. So then it became, you know, basically the NCAA had said no fans. And then these these you know city officials these these state officials are saying not only are are is the not going to have fans but like we don't even want the people that are going to be there to be there like we basically don't want this thing to happen so then there was this wave of like well the NCAA tournament is inevitably going to be canceled and so there was worry about that and panic about that and you know this needs this you know reporters and people bickering about whether or not it should happen and whether or not this is an overreaction and so that all leads up to um what happened with nebraska when did you notice or when did it come to your attention so, that Fred Hoiberg was feeling ill? So I, the the first thing that I noticed, but I didn't think too much about it at the time was, um, was during the game. So we were sitting behind Archie Miller and I had actually tried to swap seats with an Indiana writer to sit behind Nebraska I asked five different of them and they all said no, which is fine. I get it. Like I, it wasn't the end of the world. Um, but I had noticed that 
when Nebraska players were coming off the floor, he wasn't fist bumping them. He was he basically held out a forearm and they would tap his forearm. Yeah. And I thought to myself, well, that's just Fred being overly cautious. Like that's because usually he would either give him a fist bump or high five or whatever. And I was like, well, that's interesting. And then Stephen Bardo on BTN happens to mention, oh, by the way, Fred Hoiberg told me that he's not feeling very well, but he's going to coach through it. Which, if that has said any other time in the last six months, everyone's like, oh, that's, yeah, okay. But you put that comment in the environment in which we were living in at the time. When Rudy Rudy Gobert had just tested positive. And the NBA had suspended the season, yeah. Then everyone starts going, wait, seriously? Because, again, the coronavirus, you do not know the symptoms until they, like, you can walk around with it for, like, two weeks without noticing. And then BTN shows Fred Hoiberg on the bench. And um, he's sitting down. He's wiping his head. He's leaning his head on his knees. Armand Gates right next to him is putting on Purell. And then you start to think, like, oh, my gosh. Like, again, it it was an interesting, like, journalism experience because it's, like, you don't want to insinuate anything that's, like, you don't want to report anything that you don't personally know. Right. You don't want to say... Because a lot of people were, by the way, making, jumping to conclusions Absolutely. For sure. And my main thought was, I don't want to be first. I'd rather be correct. What? And so, so but, so I just thought to myself, like, this is a small subplot. Like, this is something we're going to have to ask him. And then he called a timeout with like 4.30 left. Um, Indiana went on like a huge run. Nebraska played really well for about 16 minutes. They played as hard as they have, but they just didn't have the horses. And so the things kind of get out of hand, and Fred calls his final kind of frustrated timeout and uh, talks to the team and, you know, draws some stuff up, goes back to the bench. They play for a little bit. Ball goes out of bounds. There's a foul called or whatever. Um, and it's under under four media timeout. And all of a sudden, Fred isn't, isn't on the bench anymore. And Doc Sadler's sitting there talking, uh, t- like talking to refs and like starting to coach. And you're like, oh my gosh, Fred Hoiberg has been taken off the floor. You put that in the context of what you saw on the video. And I sent in my store, my game story. And I was like, I'm going to go find wow, what's going on. Because like nobody's going to read this game story anymore. Because <laughs> right. holy cow. Yeah. Um, so it was a weird, it was kind of a weird setup at Bankers. There basically, there were two hallways. There was an outer hallway and an inner hallway. The inner hallway is where the locker rooms were. The outer hallway is kind of how you navigate the arena, like kind of the insides of the arena. And so I was on the outer hallway and I knew where Nebraska's locker room was. And my only objective, I mean, at the time you're thinking, you know, it could be super serious. Even if he does have the flu, like I obviously didn't want the flu. So you're not going to, I'm not trying to go hug him or shake his hand or yeah. whatever. I'm just trying to go figure out like, is he, did he go to the locker room? Like, is he okay? Like, did he pass out? Like, are people worried? Like just what's going on? Um, and on my way on the outer hallway, um, a security guard stops me and he's like, Hey, I don't really know what's going on, but I'm told to make people stop right here. Um, and you're not allowed to go any further and they don't know exactly what's going on they had just been told hey stop everybody and because again you think about the environment in which we were in with Rudy Gobert and everything and so um then after about four or five minutes um they allow and maybe it was fewer than that maybe it was only like 90 seconds there I was like I'm just trying to get around over there just to see and they were like that okay that's okay just kind of you know talk to that security cards I was like okay so there was kind of a 
there's the court and then there was a i apologize if this isn't paying a great picture but there's a court and then there's the tunnel out and in that tunnel you can turn left really early to go into the inner hallway or you can go all the way and go in the out so i was in that tunnel where nebraska where fred hoberg had walked out where nebraska was going to walk out and doc sadler goes over and bumps elbows with archie miller um and the basketball team was waved off they basically were told like you're not shaking hands like you're coming this way and at this point I didn't know where Fred Hoberg was. I assumed he was in the locker room just because that's where he had gone initially. Yeah. Um, and so then you started to think like, okay, well, if he's sick, they're not going to send him to the locker room, right? And then the players come out, and obviously they're sad. They're you know dejected. They had lost, and they go around the corner. And I didn't, I wasn't hundred percent sure whether or not they went into the locker room because I couldn't quite see it. But if they would not have, if they had been stopped, then they would have like clogged up and I would have been able to see that. So they went, so I know that, I mean, eventually you find out they, they went to locker room and we find out later that Fred Hoberg wasn't in there. He had been sent to the hospital. Um, and this, at this point, this was the moment where, you know, I had tweeted out that, you know, they, they hadn't allowed me down the tunnel and that they were basically paving off or like quarantining off that section of the of the tunnel because of a sick coach and then it starts to kind of build everyone's like holy cow Mm -hmm. and then the video of fred on the bench starts to kind of circulate and that's when everyone starts to realize like this could be a really serious i mean i think there was a stretch there maybe for like an hour where it was the number one story in college basketball yeah fred hoiberg how what is happening yeah what's happening how how sick is he he's obviously he's clearly ill yeah how, to what, what is he sick is with? It, yeah. Is it the coronavirus? And if it is, you know, what kind of impact does that have? What what impact does it have on on a granular level, the team, in terms of, like, their health? Uh, anybody that he had talked to and interacted with that day. Also, the, anybody that was in the arena that he had talked to. And also the Big Ten tournament, yeah. which at that time was still going on, and which at that time fans were still being allowed in, that that was the plan. Right. Um and I don't, I don't believe at the time they had announced that there were not going to be fans the next day. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe no, they actually, they had, or yeah, they had. I think they had at that point, maybe. But right. still, maybe they canceled the whole had. tournament. Like it's just, it's a scary moment. I, it, it's interesting because, you know, Rudy Gobert, Fred Hoiberg. I think those two cases are just sort of circumstances that were then captured and reported on Wednesday night, introduced the severity of the situation I in agree. the sports world. Even though, even though bas- one... Especially the basketball world. Yeah, even though one was coronavirus and one wasn't. One was not. Yeah. yeah. But it's still... Hoiberg obviously was not diagnosed yeah. with coronavirus, but it opened up sort of our minds to the possibility of what if someone had it and then... The what does this of, look like? Yeah, like the trickle-down effect of, um, you know, how how much it could impact not just the like the people around him but then you know it right. spans out right and so yeah that. so so we end up finding so so at that point they kind of they had section off that tunnel fred is in the hospital in the emergency room the basketball team we find out is being quarantined and not being allowed to leave um i don't think they were allowed to ha- i i mean we haven't talked to a, a ton of people there um, but like, I don't think they were allowed to have their phones because that there were, there were parents of players who didn't know what was going on. Mm. So I imagine they were under the ad- advice of like, don't touch anything. Like we're just going to sit here. Um, and I'd love to talk to them about what that was like. Cause that, I mean, that's a scary moment. No doubt. Um, so eventually 
we start walking around trying to figure out what's going on. And I go over by the, the loading dock because, you know, I didn't know where the, where the Nebraska, I wanted to know where Nebraska's bus was. And eventually, uh, the arena staff, they say like, we are gathering everybody and we're putting you in the, um, in the Indiana fever practice court, which is, which is where the media workroom was. Um, they didn't say specifically like, Hey, you're being quarantined, but they just said like, we want to put everybody in one spot. They almost didn't let me go get my stuff. Cause I had sent my story and then left, like grabbed a notebook and left. Um, so your computer, your laptop so is like still courtside. Yeah. And they almost didn't let me go get it. And I was like, I just need to grab it real quick and I'll go out that door and they're like, okay, that's fine. Um, so eventually, yeah. Um, we find out that the basketball team is slowly getting let out of the locker room and they get onto the bus. They go to the team arena. Um, I called the hospital to see if Fred had been discharged and his name wasn't on the list of patients that it was previously. So we knew that he wasn't there anymore. And, um, they end up sending out a release at like 1238. I'm back at my hotel at this, at this point. Um, and they say like Fred had, influenza a and then they said it was the common cold which isn't correct like that's not what influenza a actually is um it's the flu and so um then it's just kind of this moment of like you kind of sit back and oh by the way um <laughs> during the game while we're trying to during the final three minutes when we're trying to figure out what's going on noah vedrill and brant banks go in the game and it was a bizarre moment where like there was a really, really loud, like Indiana fans who, I mean, Indiana's up 20 and they're just like laughing at how bad Nebraska is and loving every minute of, you know, kind of crushing this team. And then these two football players come on and they're like, this isn't, this is hilarious. This is great. Um, and so like that jubilation is happening while all this worry is kind of underneath. Mm -hmm. And it was just an insane experience. Um, and I had texted Fred, you know, like, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, glad to hear that it was anything more serious. Um, you know, like we'll talk soon. And he said that he was doing, doing well. And the next morning he wakes up, gives a statement, um, that, uh, I, he basically said, I wouldn't have done anything to, you know, put anybody else in, in harm's way. He had gotten cleared basically by a medical doctor, a tournament, like an event staff doctor before the game. Right. Um, and then they flew back to, to Lincoln and that's where they are now. Um, and, Real quick, I mean, just to kind of that that is a lot to kind of take in. I mean, I've, I'm obviously I think you saw the national reaction to it, and now, I mean, when you were I guess so I guess from the outside that wasn't necessarily like right there. What 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 were you seeing and what were you thinking when all that was going on? I was actually writing a story. Oh really? So, yeah, I was in my hotel room writing yeah. a story. So I every now and then would check Twitter, sure, check yeah, your yeah. timeline to see what the latest was. Um, I was oddly. Uh, once I got done with my story, then I was writing sort of a matchup preview for yeah, St. Yeah, John's. Like, yeah. why am I doing this? <laughs> yeah, I know. Because yeah, in that a, moment, yeah. I'm thinking there's no way there's more games going to yeah. be played in, yeah. anymore. Yeah. Like, Maybe the NCAA tournament gets postponed, but because again, initially what I didn't understand, I think what a lot of people didn't understand was that um, how dangerous it would be to have one person in a 
confined space with a ton of other people who that one person, just one, maybe more infected with the disease, how dangerous that is and how much of an impact that would have on the community mm-hmm. uh, that these people are from or that 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 community that the arena's in. Didn't understand that. Didn't understand how many people could actually have the virus. And mm-hmm. suddenly you're like, oh, if Rudy Gobert, an NBA player, can get it, like, what's stopping any college basketball player mm-hmm. or coach or referee? We would find, we out, find out, later out there was a referee that yeah. a referee was infected when he uh, worked a game in like what was it, the CAA tournament? The yeah, uh, yeah, I think that that's right. Yeah. Um, it was a lo- so, it was a lower mid, like mid major. Yeah, tournament. I mean, even this is silly, but like I, to a certain extent, I mean, it's serious for for Tom Hanks and yeah. his wife. But like a, a, a famous person like that. Everybody announces America's that, dad. Yeah. Like you know what I mean? And, and so yeah. it's like, you know, maybe I, I don't have an emotional tie to Tom Hanks, but it it sort of your mind starts to reframe itself a little mm-hmm. bit uh, to the fact that like this is more serious than what yeah. maybe we were hoping the than the other outcomes that we were hoping for. Because obviously I'm a college basketball fan. I mean, I grew up loving this sport. Like I don't want the games to get canceled. And right. I think I was hoping Maybe they can find a way to still play, even without fans. Like, that'll be different, but at least we'll get to see these guys compete, and there'll be some sort of, like, normalcy amongst, like, the chaos. Mm -hmm. Because our life is getting disrupted. This disease is threatening all of us. But at least we'll have... We're, an outlet. We'll at least have, we'll be, you know, if we're quarantined at home, we can at least sit there and, like, watch basketball together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and if, if guys can't play basketball, then, you know, can any of us work? Can any of us right. go to the office? Right. You know, can you go to the grocery store? It's like, suddenly it's a, all this is kind of going through my mind of, like, you know, everything's going to be totally different yeah. from this moment. Yeah. But as it turned out, like, here, the next, I wake up the next day, it's 10 o'clock. It's 11 o'clock, and nothing has changed. Nothing. Everyone is like, our tournaments are on. I know. And and now there's no fans, like Big Ten, ACC, Big East. Everyone's like, we won't have fans or, or a limited audience, um, but we're still going to play. Yeah. And I'm like, we, really? I was surprised about that. Like, no, I woke I, up early. I mean, so I, did I. I was up at like, I went to bed at like <laughs> 2 in the morning. Yeah. I was up at like 6. Yes, I did the same thing. I was like, I, wait, I got to be ready. I was like, I they're going to cancel these things. I filed a story at like 2.30 because I was like, I I'm not I'm I don't want to forget anything that I've seen tonight. I just want to get it all down on paper, send in my story, and then I was like laying in bed like wide awake because it was like holy cow, like what just happened? Mm-hmm. And then I and then I set an alarm because I was like, because I think what and I don't want to go too long on this, but I, I think what the Fred Hoiberg thing showed was even though he did not have the the virus and even though he ended up being okay in the end, that's what it would have looked like. Yeah, so that's what like it would have teams pulled off the court. That's what it would have quarantined. Like. You know, Total media panic. members you don't isolated. Know. People the, are trying the, to figure. Yeah, I mean, you probably um, it's kind of probably hard to describe, but the, I got the sense even interacting with some security folks around Madison Square Garden the next day, everyone's just on edge, mm-hmm. like speaking a little bit with a firmer, more firmer tone. Um, you know, there's sort of this like angst. That's, that's permeated through the atmosphere, your interactions with any person, everyone's just a little bit more careful, mm-hmm. uh, particularly people with, with authority, mm-hmm. even though they don't know exactly what's going on. Exactly. So th- th- this sense of unrest, uneasiness is like 
it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I'd imagine, I mean, that's how it was in the bowels of the yeah, like I mean, I facility. Just, you're just kind of like, you're trying to figure out what's going on. But then again, like, it could be as serious as, like, it could be the worst case scenario. Exactly. And I think and, just, and, the, that, and like you said, the it, only it sort thing, of opened up the possibility yeah, that that's I th- possible. I think the only, like, obviously no real good came out of this other than the fact that it wasn't super, super serious. But what it did show, I think, is it showed. And I'd be curious. I mean, I, I don't. You don't want to like put impacts that that's not there on anything. But I'd be curious what that experience from Nebraska, Indiana, Bankers Life Stadium, from the Big Ten, from you know any commissioner or any coach. I mean, Tom Izzo said the next morning, "I don't. We don't. We don't want to play this game." Yeah, he, right. He said that at like maybe ten Eastern. Yeah, ten a.m. Eastern. He said like we, we don't want to do Dan this. Patrick show because said, I, th- I don't. He's like probably shouldn't be playing because because I think what happened was that was in a, a, a pretty full arena. That was an extremely high profile coach in Fred Hoiberg, who by the way we haven't even mentioned. It was pretty scary because he has pre he has he has heart issues. He's a pacemaker, right? Um, and so that you worry about that, and so it was just this is what it would look like in a. Like if this was the worst case scenario, um, yeah, imagine and, that, and it just and it's just I think everyone said to themselves like this isn't worth right. it. Right? Imagine if that were to happen in the NCAA tournament, like second round. Imagine if that Sun- happened in Sunday. Yeah. Uh, all of a sudden, a coach f- is sick and they pull teams off the court, and then then you have to like trace it back of like, well, who did they play two days prior, and who did he interact with? in a different city that he's not from and all the like what restaurant did he go to mm-hmm. what hotel is he staying at? like it's it's so anyway so then so you, that so that's what we're thinking yeah. about and then the next morning yeah going leading into the next morning and uh i get to the arena at like 10 a.m how far away were you i just I was walk, walking walking okay. distance 10 yeah. blocks in yeah. new york city you know i <laughs> that's one thing as i i normally would have taken the subway probably like, i'm in 10 blocks maybe Maybe I would it's like have walked. one stop, maybe, yeah. Yeah, it depends, but this time, no. Yeah. <laughs> not getting on the subway if I didn't have to. Um, and I will say New York, while it is still New York City, like there's so much energy and activity and bustle everywhere, it did feel a little bit tampered down. Mm-hmm. And certainly you couldn't go a block without seeing somebody with one of those respiratory masks really? on. Um, you know, it, it kind of felt while people were going about their business, that there was an element of caution. And then you definitely got that sense as soon as you arrived at Madison Square Garden. First of all, they wouldn't let media members in. Oh, um, really? We were sort of isolated in the entryway. That's right. I think I saw John Bishop say something right. about that because they wouldn't even let radio people in, no. correct? Yeah. I don't know how long we were there. Maybe only like 15 or 20 minutes. But the the explanation was um, they, their supervisor hadn't cleared them to allow us to go to the floor level of the arena. And um, I think one of the security guards said something like, on a normal day, this wouldn't happen, but this isn't a normal day. Hmm. And so it, that was kind of like a tone setter for what... I was going to say, was that at that point, did you think to yourself, like, this isn't ha- like Sure. Isn't, I mean, yeah. I think all the way up until the game tip off, tipped off between Creighton and St. John's, I was convinced that there was no way they were going to play. Um, but you walk into the arena, Creighton's in there warming up, um, overhearing some of the players talking about like, man, this is going to be weird. We're going to, somebody's going to dunk and you're going to look at the crowd and there's going to be no one there. You're not going to hear any <laughs> cheering. To, like, yeah. I think the players were more sort of, um, well, at least some of the players that I kind of overheard or, or talked to briefly, they were more sort of thinking about the 
atmosphere of the arena and how sort of different a vibe it was going to be well, competing in you have to understand madison square garden is like the mecca of college or mecca of basketball mm-hmm. in terms of it's the arena that nba guys like it's number one on their list there's so much history there um these creighton players you know they they everyone in the big east gets excited to come to play in this event and a lot of them have experienced the garden packed i mean i've never seen the place without like 15 16,000 mm-hmm. people you know mm-hmm. like even the first days games of the tournament i guess i've never been on the play in game days but uh the quarterfinal round where they have four games back to back to back to back um the, the crowds are tremendous they're into it it's just it's such a it's hard to put into words how cool of a setting yeah. it is to play basketball there and you also have to figure in this too like for a lot of these guys they haven't played in front of fewer than Oh, in an empty arena, maybe five, six thousand fans since I don't High know, ma- maybe maybe eighth grade. <laughs> like if they're really that good, they were on the varsity team as a freshman. And that's you know, there's quite a few people in the in those yeah. are in those high school gyms. And it's been. it's different because how cavernous it looks mm-hmm. when you're talking about a few hundred fans and the and you're looking up at, at the top of the arena and you're like, This place seats twenty thousand people mm-hmm. and there's there's five hundred people here, like including the broadcast team and all the people working behind the scenes. So they had allowed they had, had they allowed like um, family in their 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 uh, determination that the Big East made before the game. Um, I think it, they made it late Wednesday night after everyone else. By the way, it was the la- one of the last certainly the last major conference to make this determination. But they said we will allow max twenty or max two hundred people per team. Hmm. So mostly family mm-hmm. that. Um, got tickets to the game and then obviously credential media could still be in attendance securities there they the band and cheerleaders were We're allowed in they were they were allowed in um so i don't know it's probably like 500 to 600 people in the arena um which as we would later find out still it's too much yeah like new york city would later uh release a mandate that says nobody over 500 people in one setting is allowed anymore wow um, so, you know, the, the players are warming up, um, eventually some music starts playing like a little Madison square garden, Oregon starts going really but initially when they first were on the court, all you could hear was the ball bouncing, uh, the ball hitting the rim or swishing through the net. Um, a few players sort of yelling, managers clapping trying to like get yep. the energy up but, literally like a practice like, yeah it, like a right. secret scrimmage like a you, and, but it, but you know that like this is what it is mm-hmm. uh, and normally there's been times ahead of a game where it's quiet in the arena as you're warming up maybe an hour hour and a half like you're trying to build energy but you know that hey in an hour this place is going to be full and we're not going to have to create our own energy it's going to be there but in that moment they're kind of trying they're like what this there's there's nothing. Yeah. Um, and warm-ups continue. And and I think t- at this point, I, if I remember correctly, a lot of things have started to be canceled as well, Creighton is warming up, correct? Well, it was probably 15 minutes before tip-off, maybe okay. 10 minutes yeah. even. 10 minutes before tip-off is when um, – was the Big Ten the first? I think the Big Ten um, might have been the first. I know the yeah. Big Ten was one of the first I think if Big they Ten were not first. the first. In terms of like power conferences, yes. I think, the, I think yeah, they might right, have been right. the first. I think the Big Ten was the first to cancel. And then started. everybody started following. And, but it was like 30 seconds or a minute, the next one, and then the next one. And at this time, I think the clock read like seven minutes 
before tip-off that teams are in their locker room for their final pump-up sessions and these tournaments are getting canceled and canceled and you could see fans in the stands like holding their phones showing it to other people kind of talking amongst themselves we as reporters are talking to one another like they're going to cancel this right like there's yeah. no way um but the, but at the same time like they're getting so close for tip off exactly the clock's still running yeah the cheerleaders are getting in position with their flags and uh, they're building a tunnel out just out on the court where the players are going to run through and you know again you're looking at twitter big 12 sec you know all these conferences cancel 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 the tournament and uh and then the game starts like yeah. you're the whole time. I mean, Greg McDermott said that he saw his son in the stands who was like, these tournaments are being canceled across the country. And Greg's thought for sure that they were at any moment. Yeah. You know, whether it was as the players were introduced for their starting lineups yeah. or uh, when they huddled together for their final sort of pep talk right before tip off or when they even stood on the court, there was a momentary pause, probably like 30 seconds where Creighton's guys were on the court. Uh, standing in sort of their position where they're going to have uh, tip off, mm-hmm. and and St. John's players were huddled together, five of them, um, kind of right in front of their bench, giving them one final word. And Greg McDermott's talking to one of the referees, and everyone's sort of looking around, like, like who know, like who is we really, really yeah, going to do this? Right. Like, yeah, is, is this going to happen? And then suddenly, one of the referees shrugs his shoulders, blows his whistle, points at St. John's bench. And says it gives them the thumbs up. Here we go. And then they start. And I will say, so like, I'm driving, and I'm I'm kind of in like the Champaign area of, of Illinois, and um, I did enjoy on the on your solo podcast you talking about that drive and how there's literally nothing. Oh my gosh, yeah, <laughs> there's nothing. Um, I stopped in Davenport and Davenport on my T drive. Great pity for anyone who hasn't made that drive. <laughs> um, but I turned on. Um, the radio and just started trying to find like sports talk to see kind of what people's reaction were. And there was this show that I found and it's two radio guys. And one of them was like, well, they're canceling all these tournaments and blah, 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 blah. And then the other guy goes, well, what about the big East? And he's like, I don't really know. Give me a second. Blah, blah. And he's like, Creighton and St. John's are playing. And the other guy was like, no, they're not. And he was like, yeah, it's 20 to like what they said the score and they were like how is this actually happening like i think that the reaction around the country was like holy cow they're actually doing it chris i don't think that i really sort of came came to grips with the idea that this game was going on until probably the 10 minute mark really i'm like writing notes of so-and-so scored so-and-so missed that shot but i'm like in my head the whole time i'm thinking what is happening like this this is the only game Every other game has been canceled mm-hmm. throughout the day. This is the only game that's going on. Um, and and probably toward the end of the first half, you start to think like, wow, this might be the last game of, at least of conference tournament season. Sure. Maybe the NCAA tournament gets postponed. But um, it, it just didn't feel like... It was one, yeah. It, it, it didn't feel real in a way because... It, I, uh, the only thing... Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say like... While these guys on the court are there, they, you know, not totally engaged and focused for stretches. But then again, you'd see Denzel Mahoney dive on the ground for a loose ball, like tip a ball away and dive on the ground for a loose ball. Uh, LJ Figueroa for St. John's hustling back and blocking a Mitch Ballack layup at the rim in a fast break scenario. Um, guys talking a little trash. Uh, big time dunks and and celebratory like Tyshawn went in for an and one and was like yelling so like the competitive juices were flowing yeah 
But I got to imagine in the back of their minds, they're thinking like, maybe they didn't know. It's very possible that the players didn't know that everything had been canceled at that time. I don't. But they also, it happened but, so but fast. But they did know that things were happening. Though. Sure. I mean, they knew even before then. So this is Thursday. On Wednesday, like the, the, there's going to be no fans in the tournament. Yeah, like they, they knew coming, in the back and, of their mind. And as yeah. Greg Mc, and, and they knew that there were going to be no fans in the tournament for the for the Big East. And Greg McDermott was kind of preparing for that mm-hmm. that possibility Wednesday night when he uh, met with Creighton's team and they went over film and kind of game prepped um, for for the St. John's matchup. But yeah, it, like you're watching that unfold the game unfold, and it's hard to focus on the actual <clears throat> basketball yeah. because you're the whole time you're thinking that this there's no way that this thing is going to um i in my mind i was like there's i'm i'm waiting for an a big east official to walk out in the middle of the court as like Tyshawn Alexander's pulling up for three and waving his arms yeah, like, like we're done we're done yeah, we're done yeah, we're done yeah so it, you're you're constantly like looking like there's yeah. no way they're going to let these guys play right yeah and and every time out you know looking around looking around <laughs> where, where, where are these people it's not happening the only thing I was going to add is is it, it was it was a little less intense with Nebraska Indiana, um, because there wasn't this like everybody had canceled, but there was the moments of like okay NBA season suspended and no fans in at the tournament and the president is talking to the country right now and I'm trying to tweet out that Trace Jackson Davis just scored inside again and that Indiana's on a 10-0 run and there was a point when I was like there are times I think in which we inflate the importance of sports and what it means and like we want to feel like what we're doing is important but there's nothing like less important in these moments of like well nebraska's missed six of their last seven shots yeah. you know what i mean I know, like I, it, it was so interesting to be in that arena looking around at all these fans who are having such a great time and indiana is kind of getting their they're kind of getting their thing and nebraska season is over and like what i mean by like inflating importance is like in the grand scheme of things, Nebraska's season ending at seven and twenty-four and on a seventeen-game losing streak, in like the grand time of space, like it doesn't matter at all. Right. But in the community, in the school's history with Fred Hoiberg, like it does mean a lot. Like it does. Like there's a lot of things to kind of go through, and we'll go over that at a different time. But it was just so interesting to kind of take yourself away from like, okay, this is the thing I found important to, to write about now. And it has it pales in comparison to what's actually happening around the country. You know what I mean? And so to put in that situation, when Creighton's headed towards St. John, was there a point when you thought, like, okay, well, I have to ship my thought because maybe they will continue in the second half? Or did you think, like, halftime, this thing is done? Well, I, I think um, there was a point in the middle of the first half where I was like, I better start making some sort of mental log of like a game story mm-hmm. idea mm-hmm. because if it go if they do finish i have to write about the game and mm-hmm. certainly there will be more about what the significance of the moment but yeah at some point i was trying to because i think you could if you really sort of tuned out everything and you just focus on the action on the court like the crowd was pretty into it mm-hmm. the limited people that were there the cheer squad and the parents fans like they were they were kind of going back and forth a little bit so if you were able to which i don't know how anybody would (laughs) but if you were able to just focus in on the action on the court it it could have felt somewhat normal yeah because you're watching guys play basketball which i think but a week it would have felt kind of normal at all these games like like it would have felt like just like an aau tournament whatever but obviously but it but it wasn't normal and then that obviously hit home at halftime what's interesting about this creighton st john's game because obviously 
as it's going on, I would imagine most people nationally are like, why are they playing? Everyone's canceled. What's going on? So there was a little bit of disjointed nature uh, or a, a disjointed nature behind the scenes in terms of the Big East leadership. So this is why they played the game. According to Val Ackerman, who talked to reporters after the game, she said that they had a regularly scheduled meeting between the presidents and athletic directors at mm, two hours before tip-off. And my understanding of that is that they were kind of talking, it's sort of, they have it scheduled every Big East tournament. So they're talking about a lot of logistical issues. She mentioned that they did have members or representatives from the NCAA on a video teleconference with at some point during that meeting where they kind of updated them on what the NCAA's plans were for the tournament. And at that point, no one had any indication that like these conference tournaments, tournaments were going to be canceled across the country. So in their mind, they were like, game on. Mm-hmm. We're going to have our Big East tournament with, limit, with a restricted fan attendance policy. Now let's focus on some of the matters that we have to take care of as a conference. Mm-hmm. And about right around tip-off is when Big East commissioner, probably a little bit before all these tournaments started cance- being canceled, which again, Big Ten probably canceled 10 minutes before tip or 15 minutes before mm-hmm. Creighton and St. John's tipped. And at that moment, the Big East had, n- there was no plans in motion to, to cancel its tournament. Uh, around that same time is when Val Ackerman, the Big East commissioner, said she heard word from the New York City's like emergency preparedness office that a mandate was coming down the pipe hmm. uh, to limit mass gatherings of people, limit it to 500 or less. And so all up until that moment, when she had interacted with reporters or the Big East had um, commented on its event, they had said that they were taking a lot of their lead from the city of New York and city officials, state officials getting guidance from them because, I mean, quite frankly, and this kind of exposes a little bit of the, uh, dis, uh, I don't know, disconnect or um, maybe the flaw in the way that college sports is organized. Like the Big East was on an island. The Big Ten was on an island. Mm-hmm. The That's SEC's what I mean. on an island. Yeah. All these different conferences are having to make decisions on their own while the NCAA suddenly like swoops in, like pops in out of nowhere and says, hey, we're not going to have fans at our tournament. And then you guys deal with that. Well, and there was sort there, of no. Like one, there needs to be one. It seemed like, yeah, there was no some one sort person, of central chain of command. Yeah. yeah. Or, or, or at least some communication between all the different entities. Because the Big East is taking its lead from the city of New York, and the city of New York's like, we're good. You know, I mean, we want everybody to be careful, wash your hands. You know, if you're feeling ill, stay home. But we're going to operate, for the most part, business as usual. And so while the Big East did limit its fan, uh, like limit the number of fans that were going to go into the arena, basically to nobody, mm-hmm. um, it felt leading up to tip off that it was okay to play. And then suddenly, Val Ackerman, the Big East commissioner, gets this note from the city of New York that this mandate's coming, and she's like, oh, man, this we may need to reconsider what mm-hmm. we're doing. Mm-hmm. Then then these tournaments start canceling across the country. Different leagues start canceling their tournaments. Suddenly, uh, maybe 30 minutes later, she's on a conference call with the athletic directors and presidents of the Big East, and they unanimous, unanimously and quickly decided to cancel the tournament. And this is with this is in the middle of the first half. Right. Not sure exact the exact timing, but at some point in that twenty minutes of Creighton and St. John's racing up and down the floor and battling, the Big East decided to cancel its tournament. But it didn't announce it until halftime. And Val Ackerman said the reason for that was she didn't want sort of what I expected or was sitting there expecting to happen mm-hmm. was 
to have security rushing on the floor and taking players off and quarantining them. Making it kind of of a thing. Making it a spectacle, which she thought would be kind of traumatic for the players who are already going through a lot emotionally dealing with, you know, the fact that they couldn't enjoy this experience the way that they had been promised or the way that they had hoped. And so that was her reasoning. And she kind of said, if you want to criticize us, that's your prerogative. But that's what I thought was best. And certainly she will get criticism. She's owed some because obviously there was one game that happened. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was Creighton St. John's on Thursday, and but I also it probably don't, shouldn't have. But you can understand yeah. why. I mean, her thought, her statement was like, "We did the best with the information we had at the time," and you can get uh, or understand why the Big East did what it did and why why things led to that point. Should it have? Probably not. Um, should there be better communication between leagues? Should there be more of an authoritative voice from the NCAA? certainly in times like these in crisis, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, because then all of a sudden, four hours later, the NCAA cancels its tournaments. And nobody nobody expected that. You got coaches across the country who are commenting to reporters about the cancellation of the conference tournaments. And they're like, well, we hope the NCAA tournament's going to happen. We understand if it's going to be a postponement, but we think it's going to happen. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, now nowhere, nope, it's not happening. My only thought, though, was like when the, when the conference tournament started canceling, my thought was like, well, how are they going to do automatic bids then? Like certainly if they do a tournament, they have to take, yeah. just take it down to well, 32. Well, I actually had a conversation you know I mean? with a Big East spokesman about that because um, what he said is the rules state that the conferences determine who their automatic bid is. So it's just the so champions. they would have, he said in the Big East case, the way he thinks that it would have worked is that because it canceled its tournament, the automatic bid would have gone to the top seed in the tournament mm. by t- via tiebreaker. Mm. And he, he said, I'd imagine that's how most leagues would do it, is whoever won the regular season title and then won the tiebreaker would get the auto bid. So, that, so it'd still be 68. In terms of Teams. the NCAA. Yeah. yeah. But again, that was I, I remember asking him that after Val Ackerman had kind of laid out her day and you know given us a really sort of somber perspective and how disappointed she were she she was but also kind of adding some realistic rational thinking yeah. behind all of it and, and then and, it gets and then i'm asking him hey by the way who's your champion like it <laughs> matters because right. again four hours later the NCAA nothing matters anymore yeah so then um yeah and so that gets canceled while i i will say the one thing the one common thread you can see is how quickly things have been moving like we've been sitting here, I don't know how long we've been talking, but I'm like, there's going to be news on my phone when I like no turn my data back yeah. on because this is the way things are going. Mm-hmm. Like it's just things are so chaotic. Um, we are. It, yeah. it feels like we as a society were rushing to catch up to yes. where we should be. Like we we are weeks behind where where we should be, and so the decision makers are quickly sort mm-hmm. of trying to get us to a, a place where we need to be because obviously the threat of the coronavirus, it's a pandemic. It's been labeled a pandemic. It is serious. Right. And so and now we're having to deal with that, ha- with it happening so quickly. It feels like a, a whirlwind, a hurricane. I, I've, heard, I've heard from a lot of people who are like, you know, I can't believe that it's only been, it's not even been a week since Creighton clinched the regular season title uh, on Saturday it won the league and got to celebrate that feels like ages ago because mm-hmm. of how much has happened and where our minds have been sort of positioned and what we've been thinking about over the last few days. Yeah. Um, it's been incredible. And 
um, kind of remarkable that you and I happened to be at two sites that were sort of mini epicenters of national um, attention, mm-hmm. you know, given the, their connection to this major storyline of, yeah. of the coronavirus and its impact on college sports, in particular college it's just, basketball. It's just bizarre. So our, our plan is we'll get we'll get together next week. We'll talk about the future. I mean, I, the, the only thing, I mean, so now Nebraska's back, Creighton's back. They kind of head into the offseason. There's a lot of questions for Nebraska. Some interesting questions about Creighton. We'll get into that next week. Mm-hmm. We want to just stop by and kind of tell you what what we saw, what's going on. Um, I will say it is, you know, it's it's too bad. Again, tournament's not coming in Omaha. No tournament at all. College basketball season's over. It's over. I know, and it's it's tough. A lot of people have written this. Tougher seniors across the country, yeah, um, especially though you think of some of the seniors who are leading teams to unprecedented success or, or milestone seasons at San Diego State, at Dayton. Or I even um, think about, like, Rutgers and Penn State. Rutgers, yeah. You know, like Illinois, teams that, are, that were horrible I mean, even, last year. even Creighton to a certain extent. Creighton, for sure. Um, it, it was in position to perhaps receive its highest seed in program history. It had matched the highest ranking in program history at number seven this week, like three days ago. Mm-hmm. And so um, there's that sort of disappointment that – people are probably still trying to figure out how to deal with in terms of the players, the coaches, the administrators, everyone who's associated with the program. Obviously fans are disappointed. Um, people who work are like our jobs are tied to college basketball. We are, this is our favorite yeah. time of year. Yeah. So there's, there's disappointment from, from, for us. And obviously those whose livelihood again, depends on this event uh, or at least relies significantly significantly on this event and the revenue that's driven from it like it's a bad deal you know that i think i was talking to bruce rasmussen on uh on wednesday this was after the ncaa said that no fans Mm -hmm. were going to be in attendance and and he said you know i don't have the knowledge to act like i could criticize or sort of second guess that that decision that the ncaa made to say no fans this is obviously before they canceled the whole thing, but he was like, you just have to trust that those who are in charge, I mean, they form this panel of experts, doctors and um, infectious disease experts who are advising the NCAA on what to do next. And they came to this conclusion or recommendation that, well, first it was no fans. And then the recommendation was cancel the whole tournament. So um, he's like, you know that they reached that after serious deliberation. But, but you also know that, like, it, that that it does it won't take away from the sort of sorrow and pain that we yeah. all feel for not having this for sure part uh, as part of our lives for sure. The, the only thing I was going to add was, I mean, I think be, because I mean, you wouldn't in your wildest dreams imagine that they would cancel the tournament just based on how much money the NCAA and all these cities make off of it. Right, and I that's think I said to, be, that on to be cynical. That's that's kind of what our country runs on, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think the fact that they did cancel it shows kind of the severity of it. Yeah. But it also, again, it shows, I mean, it's, it's a somber time. Um, one thing I would add, take care of yourself. Take care of your family. Yeah, I'm going to wipe down this whole area right here. <laughs> um, I've got the Lysol wipe, so I'll, yeah. I'll uh, clean it up a little bit. Yeah. Um, we had plans to record an NCAA oh, uh, yeah. Uh, bracket bracket breakdown, breakdown yeah. on Monday. That's we're not going to do that. Unfortunately, we're gonna we were gonna take the show on the road yeah. to Buffalo Wings and Rings, our wonderful sponsor, and break down the bracket. Uh, 
while eating some wings and drinking some beverages. I yeah. don't know. We we're going to have a good time. We're not going to do that. So, um, but we will be back very soon to kind of either recap the season or sort of break down what's next. There's a lot of discussion about can the NCAA uh, tweak its rules to allow seniors an additional year of eligibility? Um, can they find a way to uh, reward teams for what they've done i mean there's people talking about can they have a selection show even though there's yeah, no tournament just that, to give some weird, sort of what do you finality think about that? do you think they should do a selection no, show? no I, I, so I don't think so either i think so. it's kind of i like i understand the 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 need for validation for what you did for the season yep. i completely get that i think all it's gonna do it's gonna be it's a it's a short-term solution to a long-term problem it's a short-term solution in terms of like now over the next week, radio stations across the country can talk about it and they can break down everything and they have something to talk about. It, you it, know what I mean? The members, and the all members, it's going to do is right. going to make people angry and it's going to be like, we're going to talk about what upsets would have been and then that would be fun. But I don't understand the point of making a bracket of a tournament that's not going to happen. The, you know, the and people, maybe that's just me. Right, the people who are on the selection committee are athletic directors across the country who have more things, more <laughs> pressing concerns yeah. on their own campuses that they have to deal with. Um, so it seems like maybe, maybe in May, if they want to get together and, yeah. I mean, just for fun, televise like, something uh, yeah, like, sure. Um, maybe they could give us a behind the scenes look of, as to what the committee goes through or what it would have looked like. But right now it just seems like we're still in that mode of like, we, we need to set some certain standards of what are, what the new order of life is right, right now as right. we try to sort of fend off the uh the spread of this sure. disease so again thanks to our sponsor buffalo wings and rings uh 120th and now go visit them um always fresh never frozen they have some uh it's a good atmosphere and hopefully at some point we can make our way out there yeah and, yeah and record a pod like you said we'll be back soon to discuss um the end of the seasons for both of these teams creighton and nebraska and what's next from a roster standpoint and uh uh, and, and an off-season standpoint. So we appreciate you listening. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been a wild 48, 72 hours, and who knows what is next. Mm-hmm. Go wash your hands.